I told you, she's a magic maker. She takes care of whatever happens. Reads my mind. I don't even have to go. <laughs> Thank you, Connie. So for the last several months, we have been um, exploring religions and things about our culture from the perspective of where they came from, what was emerging, and um, specific to religions, because we're a community with people from many different faith backgrounds, <clears throat> we, have, we have looked at religions and said, what is the problem they emerged to answer? What, did they, what, what brought them into being? And is that a problem still in society? And what is our place in that problem? How do we address those problems? And it's been really interesting because it's different. What we've been talking about is, is about being human beings, isn't it? About all the different challenges in, in life. And not so much about the practices of any one faith, but about what it is about that faith that brought that, that faith into being. So this month is a little bit different. It's Black History Month. And this is the month we chose to explore the black church. Now, <clears throat> most of us have been engaged at some level in conversations around race and around culture and all of that. We are still in America. Sunday morning is still the most segregated day we have. <clears throat> and it's been that way for a long time. And our guest today will tell us a little bit about that. How many of you have an idea about what, what it would be like to be in one of the black churches in our community? <clears throat> so what's different? What's different from, our, from this church? What would be different? Great energy. A lot noisier. What's that? A lot noisier. A lot noisier. That's right. Lots of interaction. I was sharing. I shared with you last week my experience in watching Pastor uh, Terry speak and not being able to hear him on the recording because there was so much more noise. So how could it feel coming to speak here? Are you people awake out there? Right? Yeah. So I have promised our guests that we, are, we, we have an amen in our soul. Yes? <laughs> All right. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, Dr. Melinda Joy is a professor. She's an educator. She is the associate minister at Relevant Word Ministries. She is the lead and initiating founding minister of Janai Ministry, which she'll tell you about. She is a neighbor who lives literally like two blocks from me. So the rest of you that are in the neighborhood, she's in the neighborhood. And um, she is a kindred heart. She is, comes from here. I was explaining to her, as I often say to you, that we're not a performance church here. We're a people-to-people, heart-to-heart community. And I think you're going to love every minute with her this morning. Please welcome, in a warm unity way, Dr. Melinda Joy Mingo. You're on the Good morning, everyone. Good morning. 
just think, we're all here together. The snow has kind of stopped. I was just looking out there. And so here's the beauty of being together. I first of all want to say that I'm very honored to be here this morning with you. And I want to thank my new friend here. Um, throw kisses out here to Reverend Ariana. Ariana. And so today I want to just share with you from my heart the three things, the value, the worth, and the dignity of every person. And I'll wrap it a little bit in the context of uh, share just a bit about culture here. But I, I'm just so persuaded. I was saying in the first, um, our, our first time here that, you know, I'm, I'm fully persuaded that love is a, a word that is, is kind of brushed under the rug a little bit, but I believe love is the answer. That love is the answer for our society. It is the answer for all that we're experiencing today. And I have to share my story of, about yesterday um, evening. I went to Starbucks, one of my favorite places, uh, just so that I could kind of gather my thoughts for today and uh, my time of being here. And I'm so glad that there's amens out here. Amen. Look at that. Oh, my gosh. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. <laughs> and so to gather my thoughts, I'm sitting at Starbucks, and um, in comes a young man, maybe 19 or 20, tossing his bags down. He looked very agitated or irritated or something. I didn't know. But I was thinking, I'm trying to, I didn't say anything to him. I'm thinking, I'm trying to be contemplative and think about my time tomorrow here. Uh, <laughs> and um, immediately he just starts crying. I didn't say anything, but he's crying. He just has tears coming down, just boohoo crying. And I went and got him a napkin. And, and I was like, God, what? This is not just someone coming to sit beside me. This is the heart of what I believe here. This is the heart of my message today. As I stand before you, the heart of my message is that we intersect in so many ways with people daily. It's our daily living. We intersect, whether it's at a gas station or a supermarket or a Starbucks or, what, or here. And so how do we just be so attuned to what I call the God moments. So those God moments are when it might look like an interruption, but it's really not. And so he began to share. He said, I've been thinking about taking my life all evening. So that's pretty heavy, right? Yeah, I go, okay. And I was sitting there thinking, what can I say? And I said, well, do you want to talk to me? Do you feel like talking? Do you want me to buy you a cup of coffee? What could I do? He said, I can't even eat. He said, I'm so sad. I don't want anything. I don't want any coffee. I just came in here. My mother just died two days ago. He said, and so I feel so alone in this city here. I feel so alone. He said, and so I'm homeless. He said, and I've never been homeless. I work. But my mom's death has caused a sudden disruption in my life. And I don't know what to do. I'm so heartbroken. I don't want anything to eat or drink, but I'd like to talk to you for a minute. And he began to talk, and I shared with him. I said, you know, I said, I just want to tell you, I kind of understand what you're experiencing. He said, how would you? You got a big old laptop. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, if I could just tell you, I know what it means to be homeless. I said, I've been inter I'm introduced as a doctor because I am. I said, but I've not always been a doctor. And so I know what it means to 
uh, not have anything, to sleep in my car in the parking lot of a Walmart on Palmer Park or Shelton. I know what it means to go and sit in a waiting room at a doctor's office all day because I'm trying to just have a place to go or to go down to the library and just read all day and go, what do I do? Something happened far beyond. I said, my mom just died. He said, your mom died too? I said, my, mom, my, mom, my mother just died. I said, it's very traumatic. I said, and my husband died of cancer. He said, what? I said, and, and so I said, and let me just tell you this. When I came to this city of Colorado Springs from Chicago, I knew no one. I had no support here. My husband and I came here to build a new life together. And two months after being here, he was crawling on his hands and knees in a pool of blood through trauma. And so after a few months of being here, I was standing over a gravesite. Lori Nakasig of my husband, a few months after being here. And so I began to share with him. I said, you know, our stories are different, but our humanity is the same. Right? Here's how our humanity is the same. And I say this here, you all, because he said to me, he was crying, he said, oh, my gosh. He said, this is the best thing that's happened to me in a whole month. He said, just you taking the time to talk to me and care about me. He said, I'm not a lazy person. He said, I didn't know my mom was going to die. He said, I'm so traumatized. He said, would you mind giving me a hug that I haven't washed up in a week? But would you mind giving me a hug? I said, only if you mind giving me one. And he said, you know, he said, I just want to thank you. He said, now I feel like eating. And the lady said, well, you want a sandwich? He said, yes. He said, I feel like I can go one more day that there is hope to go one more day. And when I was walking out of Starbucks, dragging that big old clunker uh, laptop I had, he was just waving. He said, it's made all the difference in my world. He said, I, I promise you that I'm going to try for one more day. Amen. Y'all are amazing. Look at these amens. And so here's the thing I want to say to you today, is that who is it that God might be putting in your path or continually in our path, you might be the only voice of encouragement for them for that moment. They might not look like they need encouragement. When I share about homelessness and all, people can't grasp it. They go, well, you? I go, but no, no, no. I said, I, I have to let you know that we can see the end something of a, of a person's life, kind of, but there's always an in-between, and there's always the beginning, and there's always those portions where somehow someone stepped into their life, even if it's for five minutes, and brought love. They just stepped in like liquid love, liquid love. They just stepped in for 10 minutes or five minutes and said, you have value, you have worth, you have dignity. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're 89 years old. It doesn't matter if you're 29 years old. It doesn't matter if you're deaf, if, you, if you're blind. It doesn't matter that every person working, walking on this planet here, that they have value, they have worth, they have dignity. It's just our perspective has to change. Amen. This is the year, the new beginning of a decade, 2020. And every time I think about going to the optometrist, I'm visually challenged in one of my eyes. And so I don't get too intimidated by audiences because I can't see them too well. So I go, okay, it's all right. They go, did you see him frowning? I go, no, not really. But, but here's the thing about it. It's something that I realized, you all. Um, 2020 means optimal vis vision. 
And so this year, I believe that we have some opportunities here to have different perspectives. Perspectives about our city, about what's going on in our society, that the answer here is not our separation and our chaos, but the answer is our unity together. So I want to share, I don't know, uh, will I have slides? Okay. I want to share, I'll start with the first slide. I thought, well, I'll just share a little bit here with culture. And then I want to say this here to you all. So I grew up in inner city Chicago, and I grew up in the projects. Uh, They're called Cabrini Green. Some of you might have heard of them. But anyway, notorious. I mean, just gang violence and stuff. And I wasn't a gang member. I was not. I was trying to go to school and do stuff. But I had such a dysfunctional life. Uh, My father was killed early on in my life. So I've never seen a picture of my father. Um, No, I have one since I'm here, but I've never seen a baby picture. My mom was so traumatized after my father was killed. She tore up all my pictures. Yep, she just tore them up. She was so traumatized. And I, I totally love my mother to healing. I love her to life, even when she left here some months ago. But one thing my mom told me, she said, listen, she said, let me tell you something. I said, I ain't going to no church. I'm sick of that stuff. Go up there in those churches and they judge you and all that stuff. And I said, I don't care if it is a black church. I ain't going. She said, all right. She said, let me just tell you a little bit about something here, Don. She said, let me tell you the history of why the black church is so important in the community. It was the only place where we felt we had any value where we felt that we had any worth. And so the price of commitment, I have that up there, but I, but I was thinking more. You know, we see Martin Luther King up there and uh, that piece. But what's so interesting to me is that Martin Luther King was a person for nonviolence. He was for peace, and he unified people together. When he was on those front lines, you see, he wasn't walking with people who were just black, African-Americans. He was walking, walking and, and for the equality of all people. And so I love Amos because it talks about justice rolling down like water. Well, justice is love. It is love. It's not just advocating for a cause. It's advocating for the human dignity and worth of a person. Even you in here, your worth today that you, again, continually see your worth and who you are. And so the next slide here, I put this up here. I just thought it might be just a little interesting tidbit. But I put from the outhouse to, did I have it? Thank you. Thank you. From the outhouse to the phrase house. And so my grandmother told me, she said, well, she said, you don't have to go to church. She said, but you need to have a place in your heart and a relationship with God that wherever you are. She said, but the only place we could go worship, even during the times of slavery, was in a little bitty place called the praise house. And it was dark. You see the picture. They didn't have lights. But that's why there's such a vibrancy. You see that a lot in, in many of the African-American churches. Kind of the joyful, exuberant expression, the clapping, the choir robes, you know, just the marching down the aisles and all. And uh, again, at the, the top picture, when they first started having church on the plantation, uh, they had to have a white supervisor in the church service. They could never have church by themselves. They had to have somebody overseeing them. So who knows? Maybe that person got love in their heart. Who knows? We don't know. But it just so reminded me of the cost and commitment that has been paid by so many. And that is why 
the, the black church is such a strong entity in the communities. It's a place where people, they are, whatever they're called pastors or whatever it might be, it's different a little bit now. But again, just a place where they felt they had some measure of leadership. But I want to just fast forward to something here. Let's see, the next slide. Do I have anything? I can't remember. Yes, this is where I want to stop. The value, worth, and dignity of all people. So what is value? Here's the thing. You take a $100 bill and you crumple it up, it still has value as a $100 bill. Right? It still has value. But some people will not see it as value because it's crumpled. And we live in a life with broken people that are crumpled all around us that we will never see because we enter again one chapter at a time, not one book at a time, but one chapter at a time. And I'm of the persuasion here. I was telling my friend Ariana here, I spent five years between 2005, probably 15, in Vietnam teaching as a professor. And I learned so much. I tell you about love. I have, and I have to say, I've experienced love here. I cannot explain to you the love that I experienced in Vietnam. When I got off a plane in Hanoi, Vietnam in 2005, I was scared to death. And I got off that plane, I said, are they gonna accept me? I'm a black woman, this lady dope. Oh, MJ, please, they don't accept you here. Just go on over there, just do what you're gonna do. And, and it was the most amazing experience of people loving me beyond the skin color, beyond a hair bad day. Just people, people loving me. And I would walk down the streets of Hanoi, Vietnam, and people would say, I don't, they would just stare, and they started doing this, and i go, oh, no, I'm getting ready to get jacked. <laughs> Something's going to happen. They said, MJ, no, that's just in this region of the village, they're honoring you. It's the way of saying that you are a strong woman. I said, really? I was like, <laughs> you're a strong woman. And then someone said, are you? I know who you are. Are you Whoopi Goldberg? I said, no. <laughs> I am not Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> oh, I know. You're Beyonce. <laughs> I said, well, no, not that either. I am MJ. And what I've learned is this here, that we don't have to be anyone else but ourselves. I tell people, be yourself. Every other spot is taken. So the value, worth, and dignity of all people, compassion, commitment, and courage. And, and I, I believe this here, you all. I think about in our city here. I think about the state of our nation here. And what I realize is this here, whether I'm in Vietnam or whether I'm in Colorado Springs or Chicago or whether I'm here with you all, such lovely people. I mean, I've just enjoyed myself, such sweet spirit, I tell you. I almost wanted to cry because here's the reality. I can go to black churches and not be received. Because if the people don't have love in their hearts, if they're not welcoming, if they're not warm, it doesn't matter. And that's what I try to help people understand. It's not a race thing, it's a love thing. It's not a race thing, it's a love thing. And yes, I'm different, just like you. But the difference do not, differences do not need to separate us because we're more alike than we are different. But we don't get a chance to really spend time with each other. We just don't. And so here's what compassion, commitment, and courage is. I'll say this here before I sit down here. That compassion is this here. 
is coming alongside someone and is being able to say, no, I might not understand your journey, but neither am I going to judge it. I might not understand why you feel this way. Help me to understand that. I do a lot of training with the law enforcement here in Colorado Springs with our sheriff's department. And one of the things when I go in and I train officers, I say this here, you are a value to our community, so I'm not gonna come in and beat you up. Because when someone is trying to break in my back window, I'm gonna call you. And it has nothing to do with color hair you have, what color eyes you have. It's all about the fact that we have become so fearful and paralyzed of each other. When really a smile means a lot. I mean, I walk through the halls of the college where I teach and my students are walking like this with their eyes down, like terrified. And I was like, good morning, good morning. <laughs> and so again, you know, I tell people, here's my clarion call for us, is that we are people of love. We really are. And unity is such a huge piece of what is going to heal our society today. I just believe that. It starts in our neighborhoods. It starts in our places of work, our places of worship. It starts in our heart. I heard this quote that said, uh, love is painted on our hearts, and the color of it is love. Love is painted on our hearts, and the color of it is love. So as I prepare to close here, you know, in the black church, this is what they do. <laughs> They'll say, okay, I'm getting ready to close. And then 20 minutes later, they go, I'm getting ready to close my second quarter. But I'm not going to do that. I'm respectful. And I love my friends here. So I am really getting ready to close here. And so here's a quote for you as it pertains to courage. There is no comfort at all when you are in a place of growth. There's no comfort. And neither will there be any growth if we choose to remain in a place of comfort. Can I get amen? amen. <laughs> oh, I love it. So wonderful. So I'm going to go past that picture. That was just something extra. <laughs> so I go to the next one. So this is where I want to camp, the end here. And can I have someone read just what's on the, the quote I have there? Each person must live their life as a model for others. Isn't that so beautiful? That really, what I want to be known as, and, I, and I'm so honest about this, you know how it is, you all. Here's the thing. Your pain has a mission attached to it. It's going somewhere. You didn't just go through what you went through. Pain doesn't know color. It doesn't know language. Pain knows pain and all that. When you relate to someone through, from their heart, here's the reality of it. Your pain has a mission. So you can sit with anybody who's lost a, a spouse. I can sit with anybody. It doesn't matter what language they speak. I can sit with somebody who's been displaced. It doesn't matter. I could talk with someone who's walked on Wall Street, because I have, and I can sit and talk with them about that. I can talk about Colorado Springs. I can talk about being a professor in 2020 and the experience of it with anybody who's a professor, but I can also talk about the power of love with anybody who wants to listen. And I want a model. I don't want to be known just as a doctor or this or whatever. I want to be known as a woman that when I walk into a room, that when I leave out of that room, something ignited the heart of the person or persons. And so they had an experience with me, even if they never talked, that made them feel like they were a person of value, worth, and dignity. And Rosa Parks, here's the last. I'm closing. 
I promise you, no. <laughs> I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. So, but it's my love for you that won't let me sit down. <laughs> but I have to say this here about Rosa Parks. It's so great because you know Rosa Parks and civil rights movement and she didn't give up her seat because someone said she was in a white section. She wasn't in a white section. She was in a colored section. She was sitting in the, in the section that was assigned to her, but she just decided. She said, oh, I wasn't trying to start a movement. My feet were hurting. I couldn't do it. And, and right before Rosa Parks was another lady who had the same experience. That lady was never named. Rosa Parks was not the initial person of this civil rights movement. The person before her said, oh, I don't want any kind of, no, I don't want any of that highlighting stuff. I did it. Rosa Parks said, okay, I'll do it. So it kind of started. But I will say this here. When I think about the movement of love, of dignity, and worth, even Martin Luther King, he was a nonviolent person. So I tell people now, I say, if you're in a place of violence, then you're out of what God wants. If you're out of a, you're in a place, I'm just being honest, I don't care who you are, but I don't care who you are. You're in a place of violence and, and all of that, you're out. So I put this picture of two friends um, in a present day church. The past is definitely a framework for so many things, but we can't just live in the past either. We have to look at the present and we have to look at new opportunities of building relationships, of being bridge people of being cultural bridge people. And so, right? And so these two people here never met each other, just started hugging, just hugging. And so here's what I would, I'm closing, for real. This is, no, I promise you, I promise you I am. This is what I'll say to you. It's been an honor to be here with you today. Thank you for allowing me to be a little bit in your space. And I hope that uh, my, my charge and love charge to you will be continue to allow your heart to be painted with love. That's the color that people need to see. Thank you. I will. And one more thing. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. I'm done. all the